Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. One topic that is pretty prevalent right now in the media, in the news, uh, talking with people, I think even around the dinner table, is how COVID-19 coronavirus is impacting abortions. And it's on both sides. You know, everybody's using this as a political football. Correct. And I wonder if this is a precursor to the upcoming election that is, you know, we're getting closer and closer in the middle of uh, the virus outbreak when you're supposed to be, you know, under a state home order. Did you see on the news, I think it was in Wisconsin or Minnesota, where there were lines for the preliminaries of people lined up to vote? I didn't see it, but I did hear that people were showing up to vote and uh, that it was kind of surprising because, you know, you're getting into a crowd all of a sudden. Right. And, And some of those people weren't wearing masks. And I'm thinking, I wonder in that state if there's going to be an influx of cases uh, following. So that will be an interesting, interesting thing to see. Hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be fine. Definitely. So hopefully everybody listening is staying safe, staying home, staying healthy um, and following the orders of the state you're residing in and, and obviously of the president. So Today, I really want to discuss, and I want to make this a two-part series because there's so much to delve into Mm -hmm. that I don't want to be restricted by just having to kind of get this into one podcast. I think that every time, Ron, you and I speak about abortions and how they're being impacted and how the perception of this new law or an introduction of this new law is, is coming into play, I think that you know, you and I are, are very, very uh, vested in what we're talking about. And I think we're very animated and, and really want to express our feelings Just so that our right. listeners can, can really get the perspective that we're trying to portray. Right. And we hopefully are portraying. I hope so. so. I hope it's getting across. I hope so, too. So some of these headlines are absolutely blowing me away. I mean, it's easy to tell when you read these headlines, which perspective the writer is coming from. 100%. So the one that we're going to go over a few, but the one that really grabbed me, and I have to say, I read it probably, no lie, 10 times, then I grabbed a couple of my kids and I even read it to them because I, 
I was so shell-shocked. Newsmax had a headline that states, Planned Parenthood gets aborted by COVID-19. It's powerful. That's quite a <laughs> attention-grabbing headline for sure. And what's so interesting to me is the factual basis behind it. Yeah. I almost have no words. Like it's it's one of those uh, headlines that it's enough. Like you don't even need to have a story. It's like, okay, I understand exactly what the perspective and where this story is coming from just from the headline. Certainly. Right. And the author of this could have very well turned it into the paper and said, here you go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Here's <Thanks>. my article. <laughs> Here's my six-word article. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all-encompassing. So what was one that really grabbed you? Uh, It just fascinated me, the different perspectives. I did... I mean, you can obviously tell what the person's heart is telling them to write. For instance, uh, the coronavirus becomes an excuse to restrict abortions from the New York Times. I think that just kind of, again, says everything that the author of the article is trying to say just in the headline. You don't need to go further to go, what's this guy's point of view? Right. And it, it's kind of shocking on both sides, you know, to some degree. I, it's, oh, I totally Like I agree. said, it's become a real political football. It, it has. And it's astounding to me that you would take two completely sensitive subjects Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my opinion, both pandemics, absolutely, you're, you're putting them in the same category and yet using them to play off of each other. And it's so twisted in, in so many levels when, when you're trying to offset one by the other. I, I, yeah. It makes me think of, uh, and I don't remember who said it, it could have been Rahm Emanuel, but it was something along the lines of never let a good crisis go to waste. In other words, use that to your political advantage and to get your politics passed, you know? And I find it kind of icky. That's my personal opinion. I, I Because when I think of COVID-19 or abortion, for that matter, I think, okay, let's get this problem solved and not, you know, try and use it to get other things done. that, And that's right. what it seems to be they're doing. Yeah. Right. I totally agree with you. I think when we agendize um, one thing and, and kind of creep in another, I, I do, I absolutely agree with you. I think that in this circumstance, uh, and, and we've stated this over and over again, I'm pro-life, you're pro-life. Right. So we are coming at it from that stance. I think it's, it's always fair to remind our listeners that yes, Openly, we are pro-life. So, so understanding that, that is the perspective we are coming from. However, I think we're both able to step back and at least explore and try to understand the other side, even if we disagree with it. Uh, I totally agree. And I, I love hearing a good debate from both sides, a respectful, not just shouting match, but two people who actually are actively listening to each other and their differences and they're and educated in, in the topic. Right. Life News had a headline that I think is paramount. And I think it's one that anytime a topic regarding uh, abortion and COVID-19 are brought together should be remembered. that And theirs was coronavirus and abortion. Both are pandemics that kill people. 
That is a fact. Absolutely. I don't think there's even a question about it. But what you stated, you know, was was true Um, when the Los Angeles Times stated that Republicans exploit coronavirus to restrict abortions. That's not that's not the case at all. We're not agendizing as a Republican to exploit anything. Right. We're looking we're looking at the the headlines. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that Forbes statement, uh, their headline of states using COVID-19 to ban abortion increases everybody's risks and hardships in a crisis. I have to say that this, although is an attention grabber, is uh, incorrect. It's the opposite of the actual truth. Right. Because (laughs) abortions are hurting babies when they're being, they're killing babies when they're being performed. So stopping that actually is saving lives. Correct. It's doing the exact opposite. Agreed. And then uh, in in podcast number two, we're going to talk a lot about Texas because a lot has happened in Texas. But The Hill had a headline that said Texas women forced to travel 20 times further for abortion under coronavirus ban. So now we're talking about the length of travel. I guess right now in everybody's world across the United States. The coronavirus is impacting, affecting, killing people. It's it's a huge, huge change. I mean, you know, two months ago, I would have never in a million years believed that we would be where we are today. Right. You and I are, are respecting the social distancing and doing this through Zoom because we are trying to practice what we preach. So I think that the fact that we're worrying about, you know, accessibility to abortions is so far down the list right now of what we as a country should be focusing on. Right. You know, I mean, the unemployment rate right now is an all time high. People are waiting on their stimulus checks. They're waiting on unemployment benefits. People are being impacted, you know, left and right Again, we believe that, you know, pregnancy and the birth of a baby is a blessing. And now we're, you know, reading a headline that women are, fo- are forced to travel to further to receive an abortion. It's right. just not. It's, oh, um, no, it's more inconvenient to go out and kill your right. baby. So looking at facts, just hardcore facts, uh, President Trump for insured coronavirus relief funds can't go to abortions. I commend him for that. Mm -hmm. And this is part Um, of the Hyde law, right? Yes. So any healthcare funding that does not have the Hyde protections could potentially be used to fund abortion. President Trump ensured the coronavirus bill passed with Hyde protection intact so that money can be used to combat the pandemic of the coronavirus and not fund abortion. We need to prioritize saving lives, not destroying them. Each year, nearly 1 million women choose to end a pregnancy in the United States, and about one quarter of American women will use abortion services by 45 years of age. We've stated this statistic before, and it's still mind-blowing. You know, every time I see it and I think about it, it, it really does blow my mind. It's so 
I don't want to use the word common, but I don't know what other word to substitute that with. Uh, accepted, maybe. I mean, it's well, just so normalized. Like it's no big deal. And maybe desensitized. Right. right. Yeah, there you go. Like when you go out in public, do you, you know, ever look at a group of four women and go, one of them, statistically speaking, has had an abortion? Because I researched this now, baby. <laughs> yeah. I have four daughters and wow. I can't imagine any uh, one of them that happening, any of them right. doing that. Like that, that would be beyond devastating. And having four girls, I, yeah, that statistic hits me really hard because I hope and pray that that never happens. Uh, hopefully it won't. I mean, it's something that we're very um, loud about in our household. Yeah, very and vocal. it's something that we have uh, instilled in our, our children since they were infants. So right. approximately 70,000 people seek abortion care in the U.S. every month. That's 70,000 babies. That's the size of a small town. Very small town, but a small town. You it, know? Is. it is. Yeah. It, it is the size of a small town. And, and that's every month, you said? Yeah, every month. These numbers, the reason that we're reviewing them is because we're sh we want to show our listeners how critical it is for the United States citizens and anybody who understands abortion and you know the three choices parenting adoption abortion understands the impact of abortion you know we, we've said before how many you know doctors how many um pulitzer prize winners how many people that turned out like gandhi have uh we aborted Right. World leaders, so people who impact life and society and the world. Right. And so I, I just it, it's 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 absolutely mind boggling. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and other reproductive health professional organization issued an unequivocal statement on March 18th, 2020, that they do not support COVID-19 responses that cancel or delay abortion procedures on Monday, the 6th of March. Uh, representatives of over 30,000 physicians who practice, according to the Hippocratic Oath and American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the American College of Pediatricians, Christian Medical and Dental Associations, and the Catholic Medical Association, and the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, released a statement to end elective abortions during the coronavirus emergency. So you've got, again, both sides using this coronavirus, you know, to try and push their agenda one way or another. Although, yeah, and I guess it comes back to what you believe as a person, you you know, if you think that abortion is a right that should not be infringed or you shouldn't have to go twice the distance to get to an abortion clinic or whatever, you're going to side on that side of it. But I think more importantly right now we should focus on the COVID-19 and say, you know what, let's stop the abortions for now. That is not what is vital to the American society. Uh, you know, we'll pick that back up later. We need to deal with the well, COVID-19 right now. <laughs> right. But again, that pushes my side of the agenda too. So 
I'm not trying I, to be a hypocrite here. No, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And, you know, thank you for in-depth reading uh, the, the statement that was released. Well, thank you for researching it. <laughs> I appreciate so it. Let's, yeah, absolutely. All right. So taking a step back, let's look strictly at the numbers okay. of the COVID-19 global pandemic. Now, I want to preface this stating this. The numbers that we're giving were actually researched two days ago. So obviously they are higher. Secondly, I want to state that I am in no way minimizing the impact, the effect, or any aspect of COVID-19. I am absolutely personally terrified of COVID-19. I think that uh, the president is doing everything uh, right. And I think that he is, is really um, doing the best that he can with the knowledge that he has. I think that this is a very scary time for not just the United States, but the entire world. But because we are discussing abortions, I do want to do a compare and contrast Mm -hmm. with numbers so that people can see our concern regarding abortion. Okay, so, very good. Uh, to date, the approximate global deaths attributed or resulting from COVID-19 is 114,215. To date, the approximate U.S. deaths attributed to or resulting from COVID-19 is 22,071. Now, if we go back to what we stated earlier, around 70,000 people seek abortion care every month. Every single month. So over three times as many deaths caused by abortion in the same amount of time, essentially, as have been caused in the United States by COVID-19. That's correct. Okay. So that being said... I think that that we 100% agree, recognize, support that COVID-19 is 100% a pandemic. Without doubt. When we get a hold of COVID-19 and we resecure our health and, you know, hats off to all of the frontline healthcare workers and, and everybody becomes safe again. At that point, my hope and prayer is that we will then look at another pandemic which is abortion. There are two other very viable options. You know, with, with the coronavirus, COVID-19, there's not another option. You can't say, oh no, I'd rather have the flu. You know, I, I don't, no thank you, no thank it you. It would be nice, I'd rather but have we can't do that. Common cold, not like the common cold, the flu or the coronavirus. You know, you don't have three options. Right. You know, when you have an unplanned pregnancy, you can choose to parent, you can choose to uh, place that child for adoption, or you can choose abortion. So and you even, don't get a choice. Even with that, there's other options in that, you know, people have family members that are able to. And I guess that would be kind of a, an adoption situation as well. But, you know, there there are other options that are very viable to just ending and terminating this life, the little one's life. As we said, fetus means little one. And that's what you're doing. You're ending their potential future. When you are faced with an unplanned pregnancy, again, remember, you have three options. Mm -hmm. And that's why we as a society right now should be focusing on COVID-19. 
we really should because there are not three options. And I think that that in order of, of you know, priority, I, I absolutely get it because everybody who is choosing to have an abortion can choose to make another choice. With, with COVID-19, again, there's no other choice. You can't say, oh, no, 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 I'm going for the common cold or I'm going for the flu. I'm going for this or I'm going for that. You don't get that option. Right. And there's so much unknown. And so I think that it's really important that we step back and really, really look at abortions and what they really are and what they entail and in how they impact the healthcare community. And we are actually seeing that more and more, and we're going to talk about that in the second episode, uh, about how they are impacting right now the healthcare and the depletion of vital uh, medical supplies that are needed and how states are trying to combat that and intervene. So, you know, to, to close this, this podcast, I would really like, you know, for people to step back for those that are pro-choice, for those that that do believe in the right to choose an abortion, to really contemplate to what degree, you know, if, if you have somebody who is needing, you know, a a ventilator and a, a nurse to wear a clean mask and to have clean gloves and clean gown, and it is, imperative that they have those to keep not only themselves safe, but to keep their patients safe and depleting those supplies because some, somebody else wants to choose to terminate the life of a baby is unfathomable to me. Does it kind of seem to you that not only is it making this worse, it's doubling the impact because not only could you lose a life from the COVID-19, you are absolutely going to lose a life due to the abortion. So now you're doubling your costs. Presuming the abortion is successful. Right. So hopefully uh, our listeners are going to take away from this how important it is to understand and be educated in what you believe and what you preach. And I think that Hopefully, everybody is going to continue to uh, follow the rules and regulations as issued by the government and the state you live in and uh, stay home, stay safe and be healthy. This is from a letter that was penned by a group of pro-life organizations, including the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the American College of Pediatricians, Christian Medical and Dental Associations, the Catholic Medical Association, and the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Now, I'm directly quoting from this letter. It says, in a recent joint statement, ACOG, with several other traditionally pro-abortion medical organizations, made the preposterous claim that abortion is an essential component of comprehensive health care for women, even though elective abortion treats no disease process. Furthermore, over 85% of practicing obstetricians and gynecologists do not perform elective abortions. If elective abortion were an essential component of women's health care, it would be a part of every obstetric and gynecologic practice. Currently, across the United States, services that do not constitute essential health care for women, including routine pap smears, mammograms, and pelvic exams, are being postponed in order to reduce everyone's risk of exposure to COVID-19 and to conserve scarce medical resources. 
Dr. Christina Francis recently exposed ACOG's transformation into a politicized pro-abortion organization in the Wall Street Journal. ACOG spinning elective abortion into essential health care is more of the same. Continuing to perform elective abortions during a pandemic is medically irresponsible. Elective abortion is neither essential nor urgent but it does consume critical resources such as masks, gloves, and other personal protective equipment, and unnecessarily exposes patients and physicians to pathogens. Elective abortion, both surgical and drug-induced, also generates more patients to be seen in already overburdened emergency rooms. Most abortion providers instruct women to go to an emergency room if they have any concerning symptoms after the abortion. Approximately 5% of women who undergo medical abortions will require evaluation in an emergency room, most commonly for hemorrhage. Surgical abortions can also result in hemorrhage. Emergency room personnel who are already struggling to meet the demands of the COVID-19 pandemic will further be strained to provide care for these women. This letter goes on to call for all elective abortions to be suspended in accordance with the CDC recommendations pertaining to elective procedures and office visits. Thanks for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. Tune in next time and we'll continue our discussion of COVID-19 and its impact on adoption, especially when it comes to abortion. If you're pregnant and considering adoption in Arizona, Building Arizona Families is a licensed, full-service, nonprofit Arizona adoption agency. They believe in adoption aftercare services and have a program on site to to provide continued support through the Donna K. Evans Foundation, you can contact them at 623-695-4112 any time of the day. And you can find Building Arizona Families online at azpregnancyhelp.com. We also have a new website for this podcast at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Remember to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. And as always, for Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption.